Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 18th of December and Australia has its foot firmly on the throats of the Poms heading into day three of the second Ashes test in Adelaide. England will resume at two for 17 after a highly successful day two for the Aussies at Adelaide Oval. Gee, it was good to watch, wasn't it? Resuming at 2 for 2.21, uh, Steve Smith went on oh, oh so close to making what would have been his 28th Test century and 16th, by the way, as captain. Uh, he was dismissed on 93, trapped LBW by Jimmy Anderson. Marnus Labuschagne, he went on for 103 of 305 deliveries. I mean, how patient was that? Uh, making his sixth Test ton. And Alex Carey, the local boy, uh, he chipped in with a very, very handy half century. Um, Travis Head, well, he wasn't able to replicate anything near what he did at the Gabba uh, in the first test. Uh, he went for just 18, clean bowled by Joe Root. And Cameron Green's stay uh, was far briefer, uh, facing just four balls, in fact, Green, before being bowled by Ben Stokes for just two runs. Thankfully, though, some very, very handy runs from the tail. Um in fact, in 10 overs after tea, uh, the Aussies added 83 runs. And, uh, I mean, looking at the score at the moment, they may not have needed them, but you never, never know in Test cricket how valuable uh, those extra runs were. Mitchell Starkey finished unbeaten on 39 off 39 balls. Uh, and debutant Michael Neeser, he made 35 off 24 balls. And Jai Richardson, he only made the nine, but off three deliveries, including a six. Um, with the second ball that he faced. The Aussies declared at 9 for 473 and made the most of the uh, the few overs that they had in the final session before rain and lightning and thunder brought a premature close to play. Rory Burns was first to fall, caught by Smith in the slips, bowled by Mitchell Stark for four. And then Michael Neeser claimed his first test scalp. It took Neeser just two balls to get his first test wicket. And what a moment. What a moment indeed. One that he will cherish for a lifetime. Haseeb Nabid uh, caught at mid-on for six runs. Uh, it was just wonderful too, wasn't it? The scenes uh, when all of his teammates and others as well, uh, they swarmed him around Niza uh, to celebrate a moment that he will remember forever. It just goes to show, doesn't it, um, how much they value this bloke who has been around the, the test squad for a number of years now, but unable to, uh, to knock that door down. Thankfully for him, um, what happened to Pat Cummins opened the door up. Um, they say, and I guess it's a bit of a cliche, they say when, when opportunity knocks, open the door with a smile, and he's done exactly that. Um, at Stumps, England 2 for 17. So still trailing the Aussies' first innings by a whopping 456 runs and with a whole lot of work to do on day three. They'll want to bat as long as they possibly can. Um, any chance of a victory, you'd have to think, is gone. But uh, they will try and salvage a draw. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. We'll look back in more detail, by the way, at, at what unfolded on day two at Adelaide Oval. 
um, over the next couple of hours. We'll also preview what day three might look like. Uh, Code Sports cricket writer Lockie McCurdy, he is at Adelaide Oval. Uh, we're doing a cross with him uh, a little bit later on this hour, in fact, and we'll, we'll try and find you a winner or two as well. Uh, if you've got any fun tokens left in your account, uh, I haven't. Um, if you are having a bet today, there's racing at Royal Ramwick, uh, Flemington as well, and Eagle Farm. Also meetings on the Gold Coast and Newcastle. SEN track form analyst Chris Nelson. Uh, he'll join us shortly, in fact, to uh, try and dig out a couple of uh, horses to follow. It's been a sad week in rugby league circles with the passing of a good mate of mine, Peter Mulholland. He, he died on Thursday after a three-year battle with cancer. Pete was my coach in the lower grades at the uh, West Magpies uh, for a couple of years, in fact, and then he was the foundation coach of the Western Reds in the, in the mid-90s. Wonderful man, and he touched a number of lives uh, in the, the four or five decades that he was involved in rugby league. Uh, the doyen, really, of, of player identification and recruitment. And I'm going to chat a bit later in the show to Brad Mackay, who not only played for the Kangaroos in New South Wales, but also St George Dragons, Illawarra Steelers, and St George Illawarra Dragons as well. Uh, Brad was also the foundation captain of the Western Reds, a team I also played for. And uh, he too um, was lured to Perth by Peter Mulholland. And it was a big leap of faith for all of us, really. Um, but we had some wonderful times. So I look forward to catching up with uh, Brad Mackay. And I know he will have uh, some really nice things to say about the late Peter Mulholland. Plenty happening in the world of boxing as well right now. I'm going to get uh, a comprehensive wrap of all things going on uh, when I talk a bit later to uh, JJ Rocker. Now, he's, you might be asking, who's JJ Rocker? He's one half of um, the Rocked podcast. Uh, which is all things boxing. If there's anything about boxing or UFC, for that matter, that he doesn't know, well, it's not worth knowing. Uh, big fight card on Tuesday and Wednesday at the start in Sydney. Uh, on the Tuesday, Andrew Maloney. He gets his another shot, and he's he's navigating his path back to a possible crack at a world title. And then on the Wednesday, another bumper card headlining that Paul Gallon and Darcy Lussick. Brandon Smith, I see, is uh, is official for the Roosters in 2023. So Brandon can now officially start dreaming of winning that premiership in tricolours that he's already told us that he wants to wants to do. Uh, now that's all official. What was it? A three-year deal. Um, so he will have to play out the final year of his contract at Melbourne this coming season. How will that play out? Will that happen or will there be a late-minute switch somewhere. I don't know. You just never, never know, do you? Uh, open invitation for your calls and your texts as well. The open line number, if you want to have a chat, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 01 1170 And if you want to send those text messages, start them coming through. Might be about cricket, might be about boxing, might be about footy, horse racing. It could just be about, I don't know, what you're up to. I tell you what, a lot of cars on the road today too. A lot of traffic. Uh, I'm just thinking it could be one of two things or maybe even a combination of both. You might be in the car listening. Let me know. Um, are people already heading away for holiday? I guess they are. School broke up yesterday or Thursday, in fact, for most schools. Are you heading off and uh, having Christmas away? Or is all the traffic because people are out and about trying to get some last-minute Christmas shopping done? Well, not really last minute. I haven't started mine. Uh, and then you want to get back for the test for day three. I'm thinking that might be it. That's why there's so many cars on the road. 
Let me know if you're out and about today, what you're up to, uh, or just give me a call. Let's have a chat. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 And again, that, uh, that text line, 0457 736 736. This is Sports Central with me, Chris Warren. Yeah, thunderstruck, and uh, well, I mean, it could have been a whole lot worse for the Poms, couldn't it? Had that uh, had that lightning and thunder not come in, um, Dougie Bollinger was just about to leave uh, leave the central broadcasting uh, position here, and I I sort of just coat hanging him. Well, I didn't realize he's a lot bigger than me, Dougie. I coat hanging him out there in the corridor and dragged him in here. Uh, Dougie, thanks, mate. I know it's been a busy morning for All you. Good. Just sticking around for us. Want to speak to you, you know, just for a few minutes yeah. before you head off to the pub. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what I wanted to talk about do you. Michael Neister, I mean, he's yep. been around the, the camp for a few years now. His form in shield level yep. has been through the roof. He's been knocking on the door. And, okay, it took the issue, the, the drama with COVID and Cummins yep. for him to get his chance. But um, I loved it. It was it was probably the highlight of the series so far for me was him taking that wicket on ball two. But the mates and the camaraderie mm. immediately, yep. you could tell – not just what it meant for him, but what it meant for his teammates. Well, yeah, it just shows that um, everyone wants each other to do well. Um, he, yeah, as I said, he's been very consistent over the mm. past few years. He's won, I think he's won the, I don't know, is it the Ian Healy Award or something for Queensland? He's won that a couple mm. of times. So he's done his time. He's been 18, 12th man 18 times. Um, very handy cricketer. Got a shield 100. Hits the wicket very hard. And he, he's just got in the game. He, I think he's batting. He's had to go in and slog him. So what a dream start. <laughs> How good was that? Yes, yeah, perfect. Boom, boom, boom. See you later. Yeah, 35 yeah. or 35 or something like that. Uh, those runs at the tail, as I said earlier, they could be very valuable. But it's quite. It, it's good that we can bat quite deep too. We've always yep. known Starkey can do it. Yep. But I wasn't really aware that Nisa was quite handy with the bat as well. Oh, definitely, yeah. Huh? As I said, he's a handy player. And, and, and it's good to have someone like that in your team because if he needs to just go up and maybe to number seven or something like that, he's perfect. So, mm. no, no, I'm very happy for him. He, he, Joe Richardson's done well, don't get me wrong, but yeah. um, Michael Nisa, he's been slogging it out for a while. So I'm, I'm really happy for him. Mm. Well, 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 as I said, um, Stark is providing the lightning. Yep. Nisa got a fair bit of swing, probably one of the only bowls that was able to get a bit of, uh, of movement. Yep. Um, but I just want to talk about you. you do you remember your your test debut? Yeah, and, absolutely. And, more, more, and, and your first wicket? Yeah, definitely. It, it was an amazing day. It was against South Africa here at the SCG. So that's a that's a nice homecoming, yeah. isn't it? So uh, it was more name Orkel caught at mid on, I think. So um, yeah, that was good fun, mate. And, yeah. and they're the things that you you never forget. Yeah. Um, they're they're the, they're the things that always step in your mind. So I know Ricky Pony gave my baggy green, and Andrew Simons gave my one day hat. Wow. So um, yeah, they're they're, they're good things that you can never yeah. take away, and you, you keep those things. You you're that number, and you're that hat, and you're that person forever. I mean, winding way back then. Mm. I mean. It, to have two greats of the game, mm. greats that you would have idolised as a kid. You're Western Sydney boy, yeah, aren't you? Absolutely, yeah, I mean, yeah. you would have been playing backyard cricket, yeah, and, and mimicking those sort of guys, and then and they present you with your baggy green. Yeah, it's it's amazing. You see these people on TV, and you watch them, and you think A, B, C, and D. This is awesome, and then all of a sudden you're with them, or your yeah. teammates with them, and it's a great it's a great feeling, and it's it's also it's awesome to be around those people. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and the same for for Ness and Jai Richardson. They you know, they've been around 
Steve Smith and all these guys, and now they're playing with them. So yeah, yeah. It, it's a great feeling, and they'll be upbeat today, I'm sure of it. No, it's wonderful, isn't it? Mate, thanks for joining. You're, you're heading off now. I said going to the pub. I don't know. You're no, going to the pub. No, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll you've got figure your kids out to look the, after. Yeah, family, uh, little boys at cricket now. Sort so them I'll, out. I'll probably miss that, but I'll just see what's going on. Well, it goes for about four hours, the cricket. No, they're only a couple of hours. Oh. So they should be done by 12.31, <laughs> so I've completely missed it. Just trying to be a good dad. <laughs> all right, champ. Hey, thanks, enjoy mate. the rest of your day. Great to chat with you, and uh, we'll, we'll do it again soon. There is Dougie Bollinger. He's had a he's had a big morning on the Mowers Club. Uh, get that lawn mowed too, Thanks, by I the will. way. <laughs> he's a good fellow. All right, have a couple for me, Dougie. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah, nice fella. Uh, we will be talking obviously a load of cricket, uh, load of cricket, um, right through until two o'clock, and then I'll hand the reins over to Jared Waitley and the crew and uh, our expert commentary team. And I said it yesterday too when I was doing mornings. Um, if you haven't heard the fellas, our team are on commentary. Uh, do yourself a favour, as Molly would say. It's a really good listen. It really is uh, a great lineup. Uh, and you know, and to be fair, I'll, I'll say that about you know the the free to wear TV and Fox as well. They're all really good commentary teams. But uh, on in terms of radio commentary, it's as good as you get. Uh, we're going to take a short break now. Uh, when we return, oh, I'm going to try and find uh, you a winner or two. Well, I'm not going. Well, I'm going to help try and find you a winner or two. Uh, Chris Nelson will join us. I was saying very busy out there on the road too. If you are out there on the road, just take it easy. A lot of traffic. Um, I imagine you, you, as I said, you might be doing your Christmas shopping uh, and you might be trying to cram it in before getting home uh, for first ball uh, this afternoon. Incidentally, I think I'm right in saying you know, it would normally start at about 3 o'clock Sydney time, Australian Eastern Daylight time. It's being brought forward. I think it's about 10 past two is going to be first ball. Um, so get all that shopping done. Go and do your ec- exercise if you're like me and you've got to keep the bit of you know yin and yang, keep the life in balance. Um, get the exercise done, get the shopping done, and then you can probably you know crack yourself a can um, around about 2 o'clock, all right, and then the first ball will be about 10 past 2 this afternoon. So loads for us to look forward to. It should be a great Saturday. Hope you're enjoying your Saturday so far. This is Sports Central with me, Chris Warren. I'll be here for the next couple of hours. We'll talk a bit of racing next. You're listening to Sports Central on SEN. Yes, indeed, you are listening to Sports Central. There's the music flares through the stadium. <laughs> now I can hear myself. Uh, I hope you're well. hope you're well. Uh, just some scores too. We're going to talk some racing now. We're going to try and find you a winner or three if we possibly can. Uh, goodness knows I need some fun tokens. Christmas just around the corner. And look, I know Father Christmas, Santa Claus brings uh, most of the gifts. Um, but generally, um, some of the cabbage has to come out of my, my skyrocket. And there's not uh, much in there at the moment. Uh, Chris Nelson uh, joins us now on Sports Central. It's a, a very good afternoon, Chris. So are you feeling confident, my friend? Chris, I am today. Yeah, feeling quite confident. We've got uh, basically good tracks around the place and uh, some good racing. So, yeah, hopefully the week before Christmas we can uh, help a few of the punters out, including so, yourself. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sort of abstaining. Um, it's sort of a forced, not voluntary um, break from it. But if there's a sort of special, if you want to sort of twist my arm um, to make a little deposit, a, a responsible deposit, well, I'll be guided by you, mate. Let's start. Um, shall we start at Eagle Farm? Yeah, we'll start at Eagle Farm. And we've got uh, we've got a good day at Eagle Farm. We've got the Summer Carnival in full swing. So a, a listed or a couple of listed races, races seven and eight. 
And in a group race, group three race, mm-hmm. race number five, which we've got a very short price favourite in. So I won't go near that race. Nope. Uh, look, I think in race three, number five, Tamalade, at around uh, $2 or just over, is probably the best bet of the day. He's a, a very a consistent type of horse. He's uh, only had eight starts. He's won three times and he's placed on a further five occasions. So he's the sort of horse you'd like to own. His first up run at Ipswich recently was good behind uh, a mare by the name of Pan. Palayapan uh, tranked that form coming out last Saturday and running second in a feature race at Eagle Farm behind uh, Apache Chase. So everything to like about Tamalade, good barrier, steps up to 1,400 metres, a good jockey in Sam Collett. Today really should be another day that he wins a race. So race three, number five, Tamalade, the best of the day and the first of the tips at Eagle Farm. Jeez, you've gone off strong then. All right, that's uh, open. Let me have a look. Opened at 2.30 and, and it's firmed into about 2.10. Okay, uh, you may want to anchor some multis perhaps with that. So let's stay in Brisbane. What else have you got up there for us? Well, race seven is clearly the best race of the day, Chris. It's the gold edition plate, and it's a lead-up race or a major lead-up race to the Magic Millions three-year-old guineas in a month's time. Mm -hmm. The one I like here is a maiden, and he's only had two starts, but gee, they've been good. This is number four, Jackson on time. Uh, Jimmy Byrne will ride. Now, his debut was at the Gold Coast in January in a Magic Millions lead-up race when he was a two-year-old. He ran third behind Finance Tycoon and Shakiro, and he was really finishing that race off strongly. Shakiro came out and won the Millions the following week, so that's good form. He had a break. He, re- he reappeared at uh, Doomben two weeks ago in the winning Rupert, and he ran again a slashing late third there coming from clear last. His late sectionals were so strong. He looked good to the eye. He just looks a really nice type of horse. Now, I'd love this to be 13 or 1,400 metres. Mm. It's still 1,200. But the fact he gets to the bigger track, the longer straight at Eagle Farm, I'd say it's a long run home at Eagle Farm. There's not many horses that can lead all the way down the Eagle Farm straight. So he'll be charging home and hopefully he can get home over the top of them. He, when I last checked, was around uh, seven dollars, so he's a good bet each way. Yeah, well, I'm looking at uh, this one here, sports bet, uh, nine dollars fifty. Race seven, number well, four, Jackson on time. So you might want to get in there each way odds, definitely. Uh, Favourite in that is the five Rhapsody Rose at about two seventy, and then far too easy's won its last two starts after resuming at about three fifty. Well, I like value, you know that. So that's race seven, number four, Jackson on time. All right, as opposed yep. to Jackson on George. Um, those in Sydney will know that bar pretty, pretty well if you're about my age. Shall we stay in Brisbane? Where else? We, we move south now um, to Sydney. Yeah, we've got one in Sydney in the last race, race 10, number 12, Leo. Now, he's drawn a little bit of an awkward gate here, but he's got plenty of speed, this guy. He's first up from a little bit of a break. He's had 70 days off, but his fresh record's very good. Five starts for three wins in a second. Uh, two runs last prep, he won both of them. Uh, one of those was uh, here at Rio, both actually here at Randwick by a length and then 2.8 lengths. So he's in form. Uh, if you're a numbers punter, I can tell you his ratings and numbers are very, very good and they're clearly better than the opposition here. So just with a little luck early from the uh, draw, I think you'll be able to get across. And look, it's a pretty straight run for at Randwick, that, uh, that straight run to the first turn or the home turn. So he just needs a little bit of cover if he is caught wide. And from there, I think he's the one to beat. So race 10, number 12, Leo at Randwick today. And won his last two um, since resuming. Mm. Okay, and that's about $3.50. Race 10, number 12, uh, Leo. Uh, where to now? The Goldie? Yeah, there's a couple of the Goldie I think are worth backing today. Race 2, number 2, Scarlet Pimpernel. 
Uh, Tony Gollan trains, our premier trainer up here. Anthony Allen will ride. Now, a couple of runs uh, in New South Wales were dismal. Transferred up here and just caught my eye at a barrier trial. Uh, I thought the trial was quite good at Deegan and then resumed at the Sunshine Coast recently. Got back and then ran on very well into third spot. That was a much, much better performance. So the change of scenery, excuse me, the change of scenery has certainly helped Scarlet Pimpernel. And she gets to 18 or he gets to 1,800 metres today. So that's going to suit him. He's bred to get further. So race two, number two, Scarlet Pimpernel, I think, can break his maiden status. And there's one there in race six, number two, Axe. I can't believe he's around the $2 mark because he shouldn't be. He should be a lot shorter than that. He's only joined the Michael Costa stable on the Gold Coast last prep. He opened up that prep with a benchmark win and he finished it off with a placings in a group three and a listed race. He's trialled really well. He's lengths above anything else in this field and he really should be winning. So even at $2, I think that's a good price for race uh, six, number two, Axe. All right. And also there at the Goldie, so back on, on race two, uh, number two, Scarlet Pimpernel. Opened at fives is into $3. So there's a bit of money yep. uh, for that one. And then race six, number two, uh, Axe. Um, okay. Thinking of Trevor Gilmeister. Axe, number two, <laughs> race six, number two. All right. Um, anywhere else we want to go? Uh, Will that no, do that's us? probably about it for today. Okay. Yeah, I think if we concentrate on those races today, we should be able to turn a profit. Let's hope so. Okay, and you don't have to... Listen, ladies and gentlemen, um, you don't have to bet in every race, all right? Someone close to no. me bets in every race, and uh, you're never going to win doing that, I don't think. So, uh, okay, uh, your best of the day then is, uh, I believe, race three in Brisbane, number five, Tamalade, yes? Yeah, I think Tamalade is the best of the day. And I think the second best of the day is Scarlet Pimpernel at the Gold Coast. Race two, number two. I think those two will both win. Uh, pretty confident about all of those today. I mean, Good. I'm interested that that other horse you mentioned was $9.50. I didn't think it had drifted out. But we'll wait and see closer to race time. Still think he'll run really well, Jackson, on time. Right, I'll just recap those, Chris. Oh, uh, so Brisbane, race three, number five, Tamalade. Brisbane, race seven, number four, Jackson on time. Uh, Sydney, race 10, um, I didn't get the number there, Leo. Number 12. Number 12, number 12 Leo. Number Leo 12. Race uh, race 10, yep. number 12, Leo in Sydney. And the two on the Gold Coast that Chris likes, race two, number two, Scarlet Pimpernel, and race six, number two, uh, Axe. All right, beautiful. All right, Chris, so uh, good luck, mate. Um, happy punting, good punting, responsible punting, yep. and uh, we'll talk again soon. Look forward to it. Thanks, Chris. Have a great weekend. Hey, great. And, mate, also, if I don't talk to you before Christmas, um, thanks for all your help over the, the past few months as well. Ah, absolute pleasure. You have a great Christmas to you and your family and everyone. Thanks, mate. It's, Good stuff. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you, Chris. You too, buddy. There he is, Chris Nelson, SEN Track Form Analyst. And uh, he's uh, been kind enough to join us across a lot of programs uh, through the week as well. In fact, I heard him yesterday with Katie Brown as well. Um, I think it was with Katie Brown. I heard him yesterday on SEN somewhere. Anyway, uh, he's here, there, and everywhere. Um, I thought I'd just go around uh, the grounds, a few score updates for you too before we do uh, go to a, uh, a break. So uh, obviously cricket, cricket, cricket is is dominating everything and uh, in about an hour and a half or a little bit over that, uh, the Poms will resume. They'll go back in at 2 for 17 with a, a very, very tall mountain to climb. Um, you know, they're going to try and bat all day. Can they do that? Well, there's no reason they can't. When you consider what our boys have done, um, Davey Warner had no problem sticking around for an eternity. Likewise, Marnus Labashane. Likewise, Steve Smith. 
Alex Carey was out there for two or three hours as well for his, um, I think that's a maiden, yeah, maiden test half century for him. So it can be done when the conditions are good. There's no excuse why uh, Joe Root and Dawood Milan can't get their eye in and stay there for an extended period. They have to bat, particularly Joe Root. He has to bat for most of the day, in my in my opinion. If England uh, are any chance of, of salvaging a, a draw, I don't think we can be looking at victory for them. Um, so just recapping then, our, our boys resumed at uh, 2 for 2.21 yesterday, eventually declaring at 9 for 4.73. Um, after our tail really, really wagged, it was uh, great to see Mitchell Stark uh, get amongst the runs there. Michael Neeser as well scored about 30 or, or so. Uh, Quickfire runs at the end. And uh, the Poms, they lost a couple. They lost a couple. Michael Neeser claiming his his first ever test wicket. And it was a, for me, it was the moment so far, you know, uh, of the Ashes. Um, it, I just loved it. I loved the way the, his teammates rallied around him. His first test wicket, which he will... Never, ever, ever forget. Uh, so two for 17, they will resume at with uh, Root and Milan at the crease. Um, so they need, well, that magic mark is 273, isn't it? To avoid the follow-on. Um, 200 runs shy of, of what we've got. So they are 456 runs behind with a, a whole lot of work to do. We're going to be talking more cricket um, after the break. Uh, Lockie McCurdy, he's down there at Adelaide Oval. So I uh, look forward to having a chat with him very, very shortly. Before I go to the break, though, uh, other sports um, around the grounds, and uh, this is not just a, a cricket show. Uh, in the A-League last night, Western United won, defeated Adelaide United nil. Um, it was the Battle of the Aloises with, with John, um, head coach of, of Western United and Ross Adelaide's assistant, um, after a 10-game winless run that stretched over this and last season, uh, Western United have now won their last four. And for the moment, they sit on top of the ladder. So well done to them. There's a uh, two, no, three matches are on today in the A-League. Uh, Western Sydney Wanderers take on the Mariners. Uh, that's up there on the Central Coast. Melbourne victory uh, against Melbourne City. And uh, Brisbane Raw play Perth Glory. In the NBL, if you were just bringing you up to speed on what happened last night in the NBL, two games were played. Uh, Perth Wildcats are defeating the Brisbane Bullets 83-70. to And that was the rematch of last week's double overtime match. Um, saw a bit more argy-bargy too. Vic Law from the, the Wildcats and Deng Deng. Uh, from the Bullets going face-to-face. So uh, 83-70, the Wildcats over the Bullets. The other match, uh, Illawarra Hawks 97, uh, defeated uh, New Zealand Breakers in overtime again, 97-96. Eh? Uh, Tyler Harvey floater with uh, 2.8 seconds remaining. So that extends uh, Illawarra Hawks' undefeated start to the NBL season uh, in a one-point double overtime home win over New Zealand breakers. All right, talking of breakers, we'll take a break and back with more. This is Sports Central. You're listening to Sports Central on SEN. Bowls Hamid. Yay! Oh, Wicket with his second (laughs) ball in Test cricket. Hasib Hamid has gifted the easiest chance to mid-wicket. He's gone for six, England. They're two for 12. Oh, that'll make for a dreadful replay, but the Australian team do not care at all. Michael Nisa has been in this squad for 26 consecutive test matches. He gets his baggy green and he gets straight in the book, the perfect start England 2 for 12. 
Yes, indeed. Uh, perfect start to his test career, Michael Nisa. Uh, you want to call him Nisa? You want to call him Nessa? You want to call him Nisa? You know what? I've heard his teammates. I've heard coaches. I've heard media. I've heard commentators. I've heard supporters all pronounce it differently. I've always known him as Michael Nisa and others in calling him Neza um, and Nisa, Nisa. Anyway, what an amazing day for him, hey? It's something he's going to remember for a long, long, long time. And a man that was uh, down there uh, witnessing it all live, he's still down there at Adelaide Oval, uh, is from Code Sports. So Code Sports, they launched, I don't know, about a month or so ago. Very, very um, good publication, online publication. Lockie McCurdy has been good enough to join us. Uh, good morning, Lockie, or afternoon. How are you, mate? Very well, thanks, Chris. Yeah, it's been fantastic down here. Michael needs us stealing the show with... Uh, not only with the ball, but with the bat yesterday. It was fantastic to see. Well, didn't he whack him out of the ground, eh? How good was that to see when our tail wagged? Oh, it was fantastic. Obviously, he hit a beautiful six over sort of backward point, which no one was expecting. But for, for those who have seen Michael Neeser bat, you, you know he's got that ability. He regularly bats sort of seven or eight for Queensland and can hit the ball around in the big bash as well. So it wasn't really too much of a surprise. And then Mitch Stark and Jai Richardson also chipped in with some fantastic... Uh, runs. Joe Richardson six off, I think, his second ball. Mm. Absolutely monstered it. It was brilliant. Yeah, really good. And, and you know, people, uh, we can't forget, but you, you've got to remember that um, no Hazelwood, no Cummins at the moment, no problem. Yeah, definitely no problem. I'm sure Australia would have liked that extra 45 minutes or so that was lost last night because... This is the big partnership for England. Obviously, David Milan and Joe Root put on 160-odd up at the Gabba in mm. the second innings. And if they were able to make that breakthrough last night, England just looked that little bit more fragile. But ideally during the day, and especially in that first session, if the two of them can get in, then England realistically could put a good partnership and, and slowly chip away at Australia's total. So, yeah, I think Australia really would have liked uh, another 10 or so overs last night. But... It wasn't to be, and now they'll have the job to do this morning. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it, how Mother Nature has really played, I think, a really important role in this test because had uh, the match not been stopped due to thunder and lightning, very, very frightening, uh, it may well have been very frightening for England because it is so, and you can tell us, it is so much more difficult batting under lights late with the pink ball um, than a beautiful sunny afternoon, which we will see today. Yeah, it definitely is. And I mean, you look at the ground and you look at test cricket typically, the red ball, it's easy to see throughout the day. But even in just as that twilight period starts in Adelaide, you can see the ball's a bit harder to identify up in the air. And it's more important that there's no obstacles behind. And I mean, I feel lucky for, or David Moran should feel lucky that mm. that last ball of the day, when the lightning struck, that it wasn't aimed at the stumps or anything like that, because that would have made his vision even more difficult to see where the ball was coming from from these. So if that had been a wicket, that would have been an interesting talking point. Mm. Just back on, uh, we'll talk more about what England need to do um, and sort of we'll look at the numbers and, and what you think might happen today. Uh, just back on Steve Smith. Uh, he went oh so close to making, I think it would have been his 28th century, uh, test century and 16th as, as captain. Um, he's certainly enjoying it and again thriving in his new leadership role. He really is. And I mean, he's always batted well when he's been captain. I think going into the test, his average as a captain is upwards of 70. So another 10 runs on top of his, his regular test batting average. So it, it's been quite remarkable that it, the pressure never seems to get to him. And it's just fantastic to see. 
Mm. He's uh, killed his heel, though, um, Steve Smith. And um, are they police or ambulance? I think it sounds like you're okay there. Not the fire engine. I know All it's still good. pretty hot down there, huh? Yeah, it is a bit hot, though. Look, I'm just up in my hotel room at the moment, <laughs> waiting to go down for the day. So it's just, um, I think, fire engines. There's a, there's a fire station nearby, so they're just rushing past at the moment. Okay, you haven't burnt the bacon and eggs, and that's not the smoke <laughs> no, alarm. No, not go. yet. <laughs> not yet. But uh, seriously, now, what is the temperature expected to be down there today? It's going to be a, a fair bit cooler from what we've seen. It's going to be more around that sort of 27, 28 mark. And considering it got to 36, 37, and it was a really just purely baking 36 yesterday as well. It didn't feel very humid. It was just hot as well. So mm. that, that first session would have been incredibly difficult for England. And when you consider that they were basically in the field for 150 overs, mm. it, it would have taken a lot out of them. So... Australia will be hoping, obviously they're all very fresh, only the eight overs last night. So mm. they'll be hoping that the, the cool, coolish weather stays, they can get through this England batting lineup. And who knows? It, I guess best case scenario for Australia that either the innings is wrapped up by the second session today and they can have another bat tonight. Or who knows? Steve Smith might be aggressive and sending them in, in again. Mm. Marnus Labashain, 103. So that's what that's his first Ashes ton, isn't it? Uh, a, a three, mm. 305 or more deliveries, I think he faced. Um, a, a wonderful performance from Marnus, although, again, he, he had a bit of luck on his side. Yeah, lots of chances for Marnus. Mm. And, I mean, no bigger than the one on day one where Josh Butler just grasped an absolute sitter. I don't think there's any other way to put it. You can make all the excuses you like. And I guess that's another sign of what the pink ball can do. But, Really, he should have taken it, and Labuschagne should have been out at the end of day one. But he took a while to get to his 100. I think it was like 19-plus balls he spent on 95. Um, and he just slowly got through his 90s. Those nervous 90s kicked in. And and really, he looked almost worse as his innings progressed, as he got closer and closer to that century. And, I mean, he got led off on 102 by that no ball from Ollie Robinson yet another time. England have taken a wicket with a no ball this series. I mean, it's getting... Usually, that never happens at all, and now it's already happened twice, which is quite remarkable. And, yeah, Labuschagne, he got out to on 103, left a, a straight ball to Ollie Robinson, and he kind of said in his post-match interview yesterday, look, I was leaving the ball so well. Mm. I left the ball so well for 304 balls, and the <laughs> one I didn't was the one I got out on. And yeah. yeah, you can't really blame it. It's not a replay or look back on fondly, but I think the innings is one that you'll remember well. I'm talking to Lockie McCurdy from Code Sports, and if you haven't checked out Code Sports, I suggest you do. Um, I guess, you know, um, the local crowd down there were, were hoping for big things and still will be hoping for big things from Alex Carey and, and Travis Head, the South Australians there. Uh, Carey, uh, a real patient time at the crease for him. He, he seemed to be there for an eternity and um, he chips in with his, his maiden test half century. I think Carey's innings yesterday is going to be really underrated, but it was so vitally important for Australia. He comes in after Cameron Green's been out for two. Mm. Australia are five for 294. A lot of teams could easily go from there to all out 330, 340 really quickly. But because he stayed in with Smith, because he built that partnership and kind of really took his time, he was able to get that score up with Smith. And it was just a really important innings and a good way to assert himself at test level as well because he, obviously he's made in half century um, for Australia. And he, he looked very comfortable out there. He took the bowlers on. It wasn't necessarily a conservative innings and he loved playing on his home deck. So, yeah, I think a lot of the plaudits, yes, they went to Labuschagne and Smith, but 
in terms of setting the game up for Australia, I think Carey's innings was just as important. Mm. Travis said, unfortunately for him, he he wasn't quite anywhere near what he, he was at, at, at the Gabba. Well, I didn't see his wicket, actually. I haven't seen the highlight. He took Root on, did he? Yeah, look, it, it was a good bit of bowling from Joe Root, I have to say. He gave it a bit of extra flight. He could tell Travis Head was trying to pick up the tempo a bit. And, yeah, look, Australia were at the stage where they needed to score a little bit quicker just to turn the momentum a little bit. So Travis Head came down the wicket, just totally misjudged the ball. It's not not a, a dismissal to look back on kindly, but I think it was a good bit of bowling from Joe Root and just cleaned up his stumps. But after Travis Head's innings in Brisbane, I don't think it will concern him too much. It was just a... Sort of a, a wrong place, wrong time. And in terms of the, the situation of the game, I think it was the right way to go. Mm. Uh, with Joe Root, I, I I can't recall a team being so reliant on the one person. You know, obviously he's captain. He's been their best batsman by a mile over the past 12 months or so. I think he's, he's piled on six centuries, including, I think, a couple of double centuries. And without Jack Leach, not uh, his decision, I guess, going without a spinner in this test, he's been forced to bowl. Uh, it was twenty overs, I believe, yesterday, or in the in the first innings for Australia. So they really are putting a lot of pressure on their skipper, aren't they? And you just wonder if if that might sort of take a little bit of gloss away from his batting. They really are, and they just need someone to step up and help him because at the moment, as you said, he's doing it on all three levels and there's not much more he can do really. It's only the third time in test cricket he's bowled 20 or more overs and the other two times were both in South Africa where he actually had other spinners. He wasn't the only spinner. It wasn't like it was an only option. This was the first time where he's bowled 20 plus overs as England's only spinner. So it kind of showed the situation of the game. And again, it played into kind of the overrate concerns that we saw in Brisbane. The fact that England were all over the place on day one here and he bowled so many overs. I think he had to bowl six or seven overs on day one just to try and get England close back mm. to the right rate for the overs. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I, I don't see them going with a four-seam attack for any of the other tests now because of this. It's kind of proven that, if anything, the gamble was the place they should have done that. So... Um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. And I think, uh, obviously, Jack Leach is in the squad, but Don Bess is around as well. So I wouldn't be yeah. surprised seeing either of them getting a, a game throughout the uh, throughout the series as it continues. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, you're uh, you're looking forward to your time out there. What's it What's it like? Do you know, I've never been to Adelaide Oval for, a, for an Ashes test. What, what's it like? Well, I mean, it's my first time down it? here. Yeah, it's right. a pretty fantastic one to be down here for. Obviously... There's a bit of a limit on the crowd because of COVID. So I think they're at around 75%, but there's been mm. close to that 30,000 mark most days. And I think obviously being a weekend here now, it should get even better. The atmosphere will improve, especially around the ground as well as people start coming around that real community atmosphere. And yeah, it's fantastic, especially under lights. The crowd gets vocal. The the Barmy Army was full of voice, even though England weren't playing well. And yeah, yeah, it's it's a fantastic ground to watch cricket at. That's for sure. It's a real coliseum like atmosphere. So you're a Sydney boy, right? Yes, I am. Yeah, so, so you've travelled down there. So um, what are you doing? You're staying by yourself down there. What happens at Stumps? Do you go out and have a couple of sherbets with uh, with a few people, or do you run into a few of the Poms, the Barmy Army? What's it like? Well, yeah, I'm staying by myself, but uh, on the walk back after we've done our press conferences mm. and after we filed for the night, uh, you go back over the bridge, back towards the city, and there's one pub, especially just on the other side of the station, where Pouring the Barmy Army looked to have set up. Yeah, the Barmy Army looked to have set up set up shop. So 
even at about 11 p.m. Adelaide time last night, they were vocal, they were singing. It was nice and loud. It was fantastic to see, and everyone was. It was all in good spirits. Yeah. It's a fantastic thing as well that everyone seems to be having a good time down here. Yeah, no, they're, they're you know they're they're a good-hearted bunch. You know, you can either cross mm. to the other side of the road and try to avoid them, or you can um, jump in, <laughs> jump in with them. Just before you go, may I? Um, what's the latest with Pat Cummins then? So uh, the latest that we heard yesterday was that he has been allowed by South Australia Health to return to Sydney instead of doing his full seven-day isolation here. Obviously, his uh, partner, Becky, and young child, who was only born just before the World Cup, uh, they were with him in Brisbane for and Queensland for some of that quarantine period after they came back from the World Cup, but they chose to, to go back to Sydney while he came to Adelaide for this test match. And so they opted to go rather than Pat in the hotel by himself for seven days until the 23rd. Let's try and get him back to Sydney so at least he can have that isolation period at home with his family. Now, the the restrictions that have been put on Pat to get home have been, I mean, you you could call them bizarre. There's a lot of things. I mean, he's got to self-drive from isolation to the airport. So how that's going to work, I don't know. But essentially, the car is going to be there for him to drive to the airport and he'll be in... Uh, PPE and all the relevant hygiene controls and take a a single charter flight. So essentially, it sounds like CA have organised a private jet for him or something similar to get back to Sydney and then Mm. he'll continue to observe all the isolation requirements in Mm. New South Wales. So he's tested negative a few times now. Obviously, Wednesday night, he got a test immediately after he heard. That came back negative. He also got a test on Thursday. That came back negative and so yeah there's no sign that he's infected with the virus or anything like that but yeah the restrictions have been and the conditions have been quite harsh and quite strict to make sure he gets back to new south wales safely Mm. all right mate enjoy your rest of your time down there at the second ashes test and then you get back to sydney safely as well and thanks for joining us on sports central thanks so much chris great stuff there is Lockie mccurdy from code sports so check it out code sports gibbo is in the house too gibbo's been rocking and rolling and he's about to go off to either the beach or the pub now those that don't know gibbo he sort of puts together drive generally with joel and fletch and brooksy but gibbo's the glue that holds it all together uh pub or beach uh probably or both? probably pub no it's a bit too hot right now i just looked at the weather app 30 degrees. too hot for the beach yeah, no, I don't like going out. There's too oh, many people. you're a quite pasty skin, aren't you? Yeah, well, there's well, too many not people. Not Ranger, but it, what is it? It's a oh, yeah, strawberry, it's probably Ranger, yeah. strawberry blonde. No, it is, I just, down at our bay, you know, where I live, Freshy. I dropped you home one night. Oh, did you? Yeah. You couldn't tell me the directions. No, I couldn't. But uh, yeah, it'll be packed <laughs> It'll be packed today. I don't think there's much of a wave about, so I'm just going to go and sit in the air con. Yeah. I know the cricket starts a bit earlier today as I well. I think 10 past two. And then maybe about six o'clock, we'll have a few beers, I reckon. And then I'm roll. going straight into the beers. Yeah, we can't go from beers to beach. We no, I'm can, not going to the beach. No, no, I'm flags. not going to the beach. No. I went, had a couple of surfs yesterday, so I'm sort of, skin's all mm, salty. Oily. You have yeah. a shower. There's uh, a the, shower? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. There it's is a raining bit of, yesterday. There, yeah. there is a bit of uh, swell around, actually. A little bit, a bit messy. Bit. Yeah, I was down there this morning, uh, just, just swimming. I was on shore when I woke up at 6.30. Yeah, pretty messy. It's not for you. Not for you at all. Just on cricket, mate. So, um, you know, what, what do they do now? They just go. There's no reason why Root and Milan can't stay around for no. a long, long, long time. That's all. Forget scoring runs, huh? Yep. Just show some fight. They showed it a little bit at the Gabba. Show some kahunas. Those two. But then ultimately they gave up their wicket and then England lost eight wickets, I think, in what, two hours. So, I look. But I, you know whose series this is? Ben Stokes. Mm. 
06, 07, Andrew Flintoff, lion-hearted effort. I reckon Ben Stokes, 50 or 100. I hope so. I hope so, you know. I, I hope it, it, they do show some fight, and I hope yeah. that uh, it, it, it's difficult for us to take some wickets today on day three. All right, Gibbo, whatever you do, mate, enjoy your enjoy. afternoon. Uh, have a couple of sherbets for me. Uh, you are listening to Sports Central. We've got loads uh, still to come in the next hour. We're here up until uh, 2. I'm hopefully going to talk to JJ Rocker. He's one half of the Rocked podcast. We'll talk a bit of boxing and also to former Dragons player, also Kangaroo and New South Wales player, Brad Mackay. All that and more to come. You're listening to Sports Central on SEN. And great to have you listening as well. Let me know where you're listening from uh, right across the country, right across the globe. You might be listening, uh, obviously, here through SEN 1170 in Sydney or on the Gold Coast, 1620 SEN up there or on the app. Um, feel free to, you can do it via the app, just a couple of clicks uh, on the phone there. If you want to uh, send us a text, you can do that. It can be about anything. Um and I'll read out as many as I possibly can uh, over the next... We're here for another hour before we hand the uh, the reins over uh, to the, the boys and uh, they will take care of business then. And what a commentary team it is too. Uh, I was um, talking earlier about how good um, how good I think the commentary team is. It, we're really, really blessed with talent. Jared Waitley heads thing up, things up. Anthony Hudson there as, as well. Adam Collins, Damien Fleming, uh, Chris Rogers, Michael Atherton. Um, Simon Kadich, Barrett Sundarason as well. So uh, it's a stellar cast and they do a really good job and they will uh, take things, uh, take control just after two o'clock um, Sydney time. Now, first ball, I believe, will be about 10 past two. 10 past two down there. They're bringing it forward because they didn't get the uh, the, the required overs in last night when play was uh, brought to a premature halt uh, due to thunder and lightning. A bit scary too, wasn't it? I think it was uh, Nisa. Nisa bowling, uh, and uh, boom, there was a, a big crack of lightning. There was a plane. Play, I'd have seen it on Fox Sports. There was a plane driving through the skies, or flying through the skies, not driving. Um, lucky it didn't get clipped by by the lightning. Uh, keep those texts coming through, by the way. 0457 uh, 736 736 is uh, the text line. If you want to have a chat, you can do that as well. Uh, don't be shy. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy. I was saying earlier, there's a lot of traffic out there, but in Sydney, um, and I don't know whether it's people going to the beach or people doing their, their probably Christmas shopping, and then they want to get home to watch the cricket. That's what I reckon it is. And then uh, I guess a lot of people, and if you are in the car going on uh, holidays already, is that something that's pretty common? Uh, school is out. Broke up on Thursday. Most of the schools did anyway. Well, those those rich schools they broke up a, a while ago, but um, the public schools all pretty much broke up Thursday. Do a lot of people go away for Christmas and get in the car and tow the caravan or, or wherever go up the coast? I always generally go after Christmas with my sort of annual summer holidays. I I generally spend Christmas at home, but do a lot of people have Christmas on the road? Celebrate Christmas as part of their their holiday. Let me know. Let me know what your plans are. Uh, schools out out and about. Where summer's here, ashes is here, um, feel free. Pick up the phone, have a chat, or drop me a text uh, what your plans are. Um, i tell you what I will be doing, Boxing Day. Um, so I, I won't have my kids on Christmas Day this year, but I'll have them on Boxing Day. So we are planning uh, the annual, sort of semi-annual, uh, backyard cricket Boxing Day test. I've already mowed the pitch. Uh, I'm going to have to give it a bit of a roll, and I've got a week to do that. 
and uh, then I hope to have – I'll leave a bit of grass, a fair bit of green tinge on the wicket uh, in my backyard. Now, it's not a big backyard. Uh, I'm yet to um, I'm yet to field the, the official teams. Uh, I've put out a couple of requests. My mate Storno, who uh, goes by the name of Ciro, a.k.a. Paul Sironen. Um, he thinks he's Ciro. He's coming. His kids are coming. My kids will be there. Um, and so there's a few more to fill. But the, the pitch is looking all right. Trouble with my backyard is it's it's on a, well, it's about a 25-degree gradient. So you're bowling, you're bowling actually from the eastern end or the, uh, the Newport Beach end, and you're bowling uphill, about a 30, probably a 30 or well, 25, 30-degree gradient. So it sort of hits the wicket and digs in and a fair bit of bounce, but you've got to really get behind it and follow through to get any bounce up that, that gradient. It's an interesting pitch, I'll tell you. Anyway, that's they're my plans. That's for Boxing Day anyway. And uh, Christmas Day, I'll be heading out to the, uh, my father's place. So I've got, to, I've got to take the pork out there. Let me know what your plans are. Uh, Chris, this one from Reptile. Uh, Chris, mate, you're a champion, but oh, my God. Please, Steve Smith's score had nothing to do with him being a good captain. Uh, Joe Root is the best batter in the world and is a terrible captain. Please, let's stop the cheerleading. Reptile, reptile, reptile. I love you dearly. Come on. I'm not saying that um, his, his, his near century is because he's captain. What I said was, and maybe you misconstrued it, or maybe the words didn't come out correctly from my mouth, what I said was the captaincy, he's handling it well, in, and he's relishing the captaincy. It's not affecting his batting in any way. That's all I'm saying, uh, Reptile. Um, but uh, thanks for listening, Champion, and I hope you have a good Christmas as well. I was talking uh, about the, the commentary team earlier on, on SEN 1170, um, and I recommend you tune in. Recommend you tune in if, if you haven't listened to it as well because there's a, a stellar uh, lineup. Rooster Man's listening. Good afternoon to you, Rooster Man, too, buddy. Hope you're enjoying uh, your Saturday. Uh, and he's also dropped me another text here. A lot of traffic around uh, uh, fridge to couch, fridge to couch, and repeat. <laughs> you can't be going fridge to couch just. Oh, yes, you can. It's. Uh, oh, time's gotten away from me. It's past one course you can be going uh, fridge to couch but do so responsibly and look it's a long day test cricket rooster man it's a long long day so you just make sure you pace yourself I hope Joe Root and Darwood Milan uh, they pace themselves as well yeah, I do I do I really do I hope it's competitive I can hear you saying now come on forget about it let's just roll them no I want it to be a real contest I'd love them to be able to at least bat out the day um, and go past the follow-on mark. What's that, 273 or, or thereabouts? Uh, so we have got a contest. Uh, Rooster Man also says um, he put his mates on to the SEN cricket coverage to listen to at work, and they're loving it. I agree. A great mix of commentators to uh, so passionate and knowledgeable. They are all new SEN listeners. Beauty. They say that's what it's all about, Rooster Man. Um, you're encouraging your mates to listen and uh, our audience slowly but surely grows, which it is doing and it will do because there's some really good people involved uh, with the station. Onwards and upwards, says Rooster Man. Mate, appreciate that. I do appreciate that indeed. Looking uh, further ahead, oh, just on Rugby League too, and it's sort of, it's a bit of a non-story, isn't it? Uh, Brandon Smith signing with the uh, the Sydney Roosters because we, you know, we knew it was already happening. I mean, he's already said that he's dreaming of, of winning a premiership with the Roosters and Melbourne Storm had already pretty much said, hadn't they, that he's going to Bondi. Well, it's all official now, Brandon Smith. He will be a Rooster in 2023. Uh, and the, the number nine jersey, I, I guess, will be his. 
So um, what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on that? Roosters fans, oh, it's a good signing. But my only concern, and I said this about a month ago or a few weeks ago, was how will it play out for Melbourne Storm with Brandon Smith for the rest of uh, the 2022 season? I know he's an ultra ultra professional, although sometimes his off-field antics might, um, you might disagree with me on that. Um, but with Harry Grant there, I guess Brandon will probably play number 13 or maybe even a 14 role or a middle forward role. And Harry Grant, you would think, will get the plum job for at least the 2022 season. Um, or does he get squeezed out? And will Brandon Smith leave if he can find a stopgap elsewhere for one year? And then there's the other question, if uh, you're a, a fan of another club, would you want Brandon Smith coming to your club on a stopgap measure? Yeah, just a waiting lounge, a 12-month waiting lounge to uh, pick up some ching-ching uh, before he heads off to the Roosters. So I think there's still a few uh, little uh, paragraphs or, or even a chapter or two to be written about the Brandon Smith story. Uh, wonderful player, we do know that. Uh, but that is all now official, so he can not just dream about winning uh, a premiership in opposition colours, but um, now he can start planning uh, for that. But that's the that's the difficult thing, isn't it? You're already contracted at the Storm for another 12 months, and yes, you're going to be telling us, oh, look, I'm, I'm solely focused here. I'll be as professional and head down, backside up. But you know in the back of your mind, you're, you're already gone. You've already got one foot um, out the door. Uh, Reptiles back on the line again. Merry Christmas, uh, Christy, your family and you. Uh, have you been watching the NBL? It's uh, been the most amazing season ever. And with three rounds in double uh, double overtime last night was a classic. I didn't watch it, Reptile. I Look, I, I'm first to admit I'm not rusted on basketball fan. I don't mind watching a bit of NBL and NBA here and there. Um, I tell you what, Justo, though, on the panel here, he, he loves his basketball. You can probably chip in there. Good afternoon, Chris. Good afternoon, listeners. Where have you been? Um, let's just say just trying to do my job, Chris. So I've been at the other end on strike for an hour and ten. Yes. <laughs> You've been holding up your end fine yes. down there. As they say, just like the good good yeah. strike and the long strike is in. Just Absolutely. wait, wait, wait. Yeah, well, you've waited for an hour and ten. <laughs> so NBL, pretty exciting last night, huh? Oh, that that game last night at Win Entertainment Centre. Like, I, I thought Sunday was a classic. That just may have topped it, watching the New Zealand Breakers and the um, um, Illawarra Hawks. I mean, the Illawarra Hawks, and I know, I hope Matty Russell's hoping he's loving his team because I genuinely think that side down there in the gong could yeah. win the NBL championship. That's how good they are. That's who I forgot to uh, get on today, Matty Russell. I thought he was said he was a regular slot. Where's he gone? Don't know, Chris. Oh, better give him a call, Matty <laughs> Russell. I'll get him on. I'll get him on the dog and bone. I think. Um, all right. Uh, 0457736736. That is the open line number. Uh, feel free to pick up the phone and uh, have your say. Um, what have we got here? I can't even understand that text one, but make sure that I, that I can read them. Um, if you are sending a text through, just use spell check or something like that. If you want to pick up the phone, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Just on Davey Warner too. Um, Look, I, I said during the week when we weren't sure if he was going to play a couple of days out from that the, the second test in Adelaide that you know, I said, I'm sure he will play. He'll get needled up, um, which he has done. But I think it's been quite a long needle. And I'm just reading an article in here. Uh, you know, when you've got rib cartilage problems and you have the anaesthetic, 
there is a, a potential risks involved when you get those pain-killing injections that you, you know, oh, God, the doctor might, well, the medico might miss and sort of people have punctured a lung before. And I, I'm being serious here. Um, it has happened before. Uh, but he will need, they reckon, pain-killing injections for the rest of the, the series, Davey Warner. Um, but he seemed to be handling it okay. Rib injuries. I don't know if you've ever done one at home. Um, you may have done a rib injury. Uh, they're, they're bloody painful, really painful. And more painful is rib cartilage than actually breaking a rib. I've never broken a rib, but I've popped a rib cartilage before, and it's not something you'd wish on your worst enemy. Didn't Andrew Johns get like a ruptured, was it lung or ribs during that grand final? He had a punctured lung, yeah. He had a punctured lung. Was that 97? 97. Or that was, was it not, I, yes, but I don't think that was from an in, injection. But right. um I was reading here, and I can't find uh, I can't find where it was, but there was an AFL player who uh, uh, Jake Carlisle, yeah, he had injections with um, uh, St Kilda in 2018 and went into the lung. Oh God! But I've done it before, so I did it. Oh, oh God! I must have been uh, in my early 20s, and I remember it was a game at uh, Sydney Football Stadium. I was playing probably Reggie's for West Magpies, and I. I popped the rib cartilage. I, I played on with it, but then when your body cools down, it, oh, really hurts. Then it was a Sunday, so I nearly, nearly every Sunday night we would go out for a Chinese meal, just what we did for about a decade or more every Sunday, and we'd have the same thing, which was great. One of the things that we would order on the menu um, was hot and sour soup. Now, if you've ever had hot and sour soup, it's very spicy, right? Now, so I've punctured, not punctured, I've, I've popped the rib cartilage. Then we've had the Chinese slap-up meal on a Sunday night. I've had the hot and sour soup. But the hot and sour soup has got caught in my throat, right, and in my nose. And I'm coughing. I've gone into a coughing fit with the hot and sour soup down the back of the throat. And the cartilage, I can feel it always popping out every time I'd cough. Yeah, no. And I haven't had hot and sour soup since. We're going to talk to Brad Mackay next, and it was a difficult week, a sad, sad week in rugby league. Talking of Western Suburbs Magpies, my coach out there was Peter Mulholland. He lost his life on Thursday, and he'd been battling cancer for a number of years, and he's uh, he was always very quick to put his hand up. Whenever I called him, I said, Pete, can we have a chat about recruitment, about the transfer window, about the Dolphins? And he was there. And it was only probably a month or so ago we last spoke here and I was sitting in this chair. I knew Pete for a long, long time, and he was a good, good friend of mine, and we went over to Perth Western Reds together. And that was back in 1994. We were over there, and uh, a really good fella, and he has touched so the lives of so many people, so many people, including um, Brad Mackay. Brad Mackay was the inaugural captain of the Western Reds, uh, so he too is feeling and mourning the loss of his good mate, Peter Mulholland. We're going to take a break, and when we return, I'm going to have a chat to Brad Mackay. You're listening to Sports Central on SEN. And I hope you're enjoying your Saturday afternoon. The uh, sun is uh, trying to shine in Sydney. It's uh, a decent day out there and uh, around the globe. I, I trust you're enjoying it wherever you are. And I see that there's a lot of people already taking off for their, their summer holidays. If you are uh, in the car and on the road for a, a decent journey, uh, just drive safely. Hey, Make sure you get there, um, get there safely. Well, during the week um, on Thursday, in fact, and I just touched on it earlier, we, uh, we lost a, a good man, Peter Mulholland. Um, the rugby league world lost a good man, and so many people uh, lost a good friend. Peter Mulholland uh, was involved in rugby league for, 
I guess, 50 years, almost all of his life, Peter Mulholland. He, uh, I guess, was the doyen, too, of uh, player development and recruitment. He had a really, really keen eye. He was a brilliant schoolboys rugby league coach, and he turned St. Gregory's College Campbelltown into the, you know, the powerhouse of a rugby league scholarship school that it was. It was there that he came in contact with a lot, a lot of people. And uh, he would go on to be the recruitment boss for a number of clubs, including Canterbury, uh, Newcastle, St. George, Illawarra, uh, more recently Canberra Raiders. He was with Penrith Panthers in an assistant coaching capacity, I think also around 2003, that uh, that premiership uh, season as well. Then he went over to uh, the south of France and was uh, head coach at Catalan Dragons. He always wanted to be the head coach of an NRL club. And when the decision in 1993 was made to admit the Western Reds to the Premiership in 1995, well, Peter Mulholland was very quickly um, rounded up. And he was the man to go over there and not just coach the Western Reds in 1995 and on, but to assemble the playing squad. But more than that, to help build this club in, in AFL territory, AFL heartland. And over he went. And he took about 30 young fellas with him. Uh, people that had never been to Perth, including myself. And we didn't quite know what we were flying into. We went over there with no mates, pretty much, other than our football partners. We had no family over there. It was very much a trip into the uh, the dark unknown. But and I was one of them, and I packed the bags and said goodbye to my family and friends and said, I'll, I'll, I'll see you. Well, luckily, I'll see you every fortnight or so because we'd fly back and forth to play. So I think I'm pretty much can say on behalf of the other young fellas back then that went over there, we had full confidence in Peter Mulholland. He was uh, a bit like a father to us all, and the Western Reds became one big family with him as, I guess, the patriarch. There were some senior players that went across to Western Reds as well, the likes of Mick Potter, Mark Geyer, and probably our highest profile recruit was Brad Mackay. And Brad would become the foundation captain of the Western Reds. Sadly, uh, the club is no longer. Brad only played the one year there. The Super League war put paid to his time in Perth. And Brad joins us on the line. Brad, thanks for taking a bit of time out, mate. I, I, I wish I was calling you under sort of different circumstances, but uh, a sad week and uh, we've lost a good one. Yeah, we have, Chris. And that was a great, great uh, introduction to 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 what we what do we call him Skull? I never knew why we called him Skull, but Pete Mulholland, he was an absolute um, champion. And um, only a guy like Skull and probably few could do what he did and um, amass a team of, um, you know, combination of young fellas needing a, needing a crack at first grade, a combination of experienced players and some, some, old, some old heads to keep, us, to keep us all in the one direction. And um, he did it so well, and, and that was a great tribute, mate. He was... Um... Okay, great coach, a really strong rugby league mind. And, you know, I, you've played under some great, many great coaches, mate, far more than I have. I, I was lucky enough to play under Warren Ryan, who had a really sharp rugby league mind um, and was thinking ahead of and outside of the square. But Skull, um, he too was very, very smart, wasn't he? Very smart between years and just – and you rugby league so well, but – over and above that, I, I think he's probably one of his greatest strengths was his, his ability to relate to all people. Yeah, yeah. Mate, he was 
you know, I was when I when I when I signed with Skull, um, when I signed with the Western Reds, you know, I, I hadn't enjoyed my football. I had a coach that was that was like Warren Ryan very much. In fact, um, you know, he was a, he was a genius as far as the game went, but uh, but he wasn't such a uh, enjoyable coach uh, coach planner. But mm. but that's what I was so happy when you know when I did sign with the Western Reds because Skull was there and he made that such an enjoyable year. Um, and I think you underestimate his. We underestimate what he achieved over there. I mean, mm. we there was four new teams into the competition that year, and we we were head and shoulders above all of those four for one. And we finished, you know, middle of the road. There was lots of established teams that finished under us in that year. Yeah. And um, I think you know the distraction of their Super League war was 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 really bad was really telling for for the for the western reds and for skull to try and navigate through and uh i think he did it and he did it well and mm. you know like it, it, it you couldn't underestimate how distracting that was when players were you know bickering about oh. contracts and that never before had had that happen in any team that i'd played with and that was just not a thought um mm. so to keep us on track and to finish us higher than than any other of the new franchises, um, I think people underestimate how good a, mm. you know, how good the results were for that. He put in so much work, and you're right. Like and like the Dolphins are doing now. So imagine what the Dolphins and Wayne Bennett are doing now, and they've got a couple of years to get their their ducks in line to get their players signed. But there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. Now, Redcliffe Dolphins, that's rugby league heartland, right? So they're already way, way, way ahead of what we had back there. We were in this unknown territory. Uh, it was. AFL, Aussie Rules, Heartland, uh, and Rugby Union was very strong over there. But what Pete had to do, and I was there working with him in marketing as well as playing, and we had to sell the game, didn't we? We had to tell people what it was all about. We had to build relationships, build sponsorships, and and also fill an academy team as well. And then there were the links we had to build with all the local rugby league clubs. It was it was battle after battle after battle. And you're right, Brad Mackay, the, the Super League war it was one final battle that we did not need at all. Um, throwing that into the mix, when I look at it yeah. that way, you're right. He he did an amazing job in in a couple of years over there. Yeah, and it's such a shame that he never got a, another tenure, never got another chance to be a, a senior coach, the the head coach at another club. Um, you know, at a strong club, he could have built a he could have built a, a great legacy for himself there. Um, but you know. You know, but but that's not taking back what I said before. You know, his achievements over there are very understated, and and um, it's such a shame he never got another chance with a really strong club. You know, mm. um, we we had a combination of like we said, you know, young players that were were needing a go. We had we had old heads that probably you know were were on their last legs, and um, but he, he got us all together, and he got the best out of every player, and. Um, it was another thing that I found playing for the Western Reds. It was very hard to back up after the week that we travelled. Um, mm. There, I remember thinking about that one time, and and that was another thing that that he had to navigate through. He had to find ways for us to refresh after, you know, a, sometimes a five-hour flight home after a game, um, and we were straight on the plane and straight home. Mm. We had, you know, a four-hour flight coming to Sydney, most coming to the eastern side of Australia most of the time, and then. You know, you had physical, your body your body sort of shuts down after two or three hours sitting down. And, you know, so he had to navigate all those things. And, and, and he, he was so good at that. He, he, had, the, he had the ear of the, uh, the AFL coaches over there. Uh, I remember sitting at a meeting one time with, um, 
who was the Western Mick Red Malthouse. Star, West Coast Mick, Mick Malthouse, Malthouse yeah, yeah. sitting there, and they, yeah, they they were swapping stories and and swapping ideas, and um, yeah, and you've done a great job. I mean, yeah. AFL, you know, it's very very hard to get any AFL person involved or interested yeah. in rugby league, and. Um, but he did well. He, he was, yeah. well, we get 24,000 people at well, our first game. We did, mate. We did. And, and the Dockers just came into the competition too. So we had battles on every front. And it took not just a rugby league coach, but a salesman. And he was very charismatic, Peter Mulholland. Yeah. And you're right. He had the ear of Mick Malthouse and others. He had the corporate ear as well. As, as, as being a great coach, he was well-rounded. Uh, and the perfect man, really, to help sell mm. the Western Reds back then. Yeah, March 12, 1995. I remember it vividly. Uh, talking to Brad Mackay, he was the first captain. He, he ran the team out. I was in the Reggies. We played at the Wacker. It was bloody hard out there in the middle, but we got a really good crowd in. And uh, we beat your old mob, didn't we? Yeah. 25 oh, points we to 12 praying. it was. Remember we were praying for a... Yeah. And after about three tackles, a fight broke out. It was. Um, it had everything. It yeah. had everything MG? Um, yeah. Grudge, grudge. <laughs> MG. Um, Mick Potter. scored. It was a decent scoreline. Yeah, Mick Potter, another ex-Dragon, yeah. um, being shown the door, sort of um, said he was too old. Yeah, played, unreal. Yeah. played unreal that day. Yeah. It was so hot. And I remember we trained through that dry heat the whole summer, yes. hoping and praying that that first game would be as hot as it was, could be. And it was. And it was. And, yeah. um, and, and that was another advantage. I remember, if you remember training on that paddock out there, um, I forget what suburb it was, oh, but yeah. your throat was so dry. Just out near City Beach. Right. Uh, yeah, yes. Mm. And um, I just remember putting in the hard yards and he said to me a couple of times, it's got to be hot on that day. It's got to be hot because that's what we were, we were training for. We had one chance and yeah. uh, and it was a big start and we got it, thankfully. And, you know, yeah. that, that's all planning by, by, by Pete and, and his team. It was great. Yeah, it was great. How did uh, – so, okay, like the Dolphins now, Wayne Bennett's having troubles attracting some blue-chip marquee players. Now, um, Pete went about getting probably three. You were you were the, the man, Brad Mackay, um, Mark Geyer, uh, Mick Potter, and there were a couple of others as well. When Pete approached you, um, and you, I don't know if you knew Pete that well, but obviously he, he, sold the, he sold the story and sold the dream very well to get you over there. Yeah, they had this record that I was only told about later. If they got you on the plane, they signed you. Every player that got on that plane and went over there, hello. they signed. And, um, and hello. Yeah, there, no, we're Chris? here. Yeah, Brad, I'm here. Yeah. Hello, mate. We're here. Sorry, mate. I, um, yeah, every single player that they got on that plane to go over there, they signed because the, the city sold itself. It was so clean. Mm. It was so, like, nice. It was a, it was a good atmosphere to start again. Um, you know, like some players, they would have played in Afghanistan, you know. They mm. just needed a start. Other players, you know, they needed to be sold on, on the city and sold on the, the travel and sold on it. And he did a great job with there. The Western Reds did a great job. Um, yeah, he was a salesman. He was everything. <laughs> mm. He was, mate. And uh, there's still a few players over there now that have, have remained for the past 25 years. Matty Fuller's still over there, Sheepy. Um, I know he's doing it a bit tough as well because these guys were so close to, to Peter Mulholland. And do you remember, we, thinking out of the square, the Skull, he said, why don't we go to South Africa and have a pre-season over there? Do you remember? They didn't even play rugby league. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We didn't think they played <laughs> rugby league over there. I think we played three games. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. 
Oh, it was it was amazing, Johannesburg. Yes, over there in Johannesburg, <laughs> like here I am signing for the Western Reds, yeah. and next minute I'm in a Johannesburg playing against yeah. these rough nut South Africans that yeah. that had never really oh, played dear. rugby league before. They were all rugby union heads, and they were keen on a knuckle almost every single <laughs> tackle. They were dirty, and. Oh, yes. um, <laughs> I remember the trip. I remember the trip for other reasons, uh, Brad, because I pulled my hammy first touch and so I became the team, uh, I don't know what I was, the social uh, organiser or, or team masseuse. And I remember you boys <laughs> all sitting around the, the hotel pool there having a good old time uh, at one stage there. Uh, and largely that was all down to Peter Mulholland. Brad, mate, thanks for jumping on the line. You know, and it, it's nice to reflect and, and celebrate the life that, that was for Peter Mulholland, a wonderful man. And I know there are a lot of people that he touched really favourite warmly and uh, has developed so many people, you know, including me, including yourself. So we are lucky to have known him. Yeah, mate. We lost a good bloke. Yeah, he was a champion. We are, yeah. we have, mate. Thanks, Brad. I appreciate you jumping on the line, mate. I hope things are all going good with you in the in the service. The fire is all good. Yeah, all good, mate. Very good, thanks. Good, good, good. Doing our best, keeping you guys safe. Yes, <laughs> <it>. good. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, champ. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your day, huh? Pleasure, mate. There Talk to you soon. Great man, Brad Mackay. Brad Mackay. What a player he was uh, in red and white um, for the Steelers, for the Dragons, for the. St. George Illawarra, Dragons, New South Wales, Kangaroos, Western Reds as well. Uh, remembering fondly um, the life of Peter Mulholland. I got a text here through uh, my brother actually saying that the best ever schoolboys coach there was. And if there is another schoolboys competition, like we had the Commonwealth Bank Cup, uh, and it's still running, I believe, under a different name, it, it should well be the Peter Mulholland Cup. Um, yeah, food for thought there. I think, I think there should certainly be uh, something uh, to remember the great Peter Mulholland. You're listening to Sports Central on SEN. New Zealand's turn now. Four-second differential oh, between game and shot clock. Oh, my Will McDowell White all the way in. They've got to get something up. Besson. Oh, yes. my goodness. Harvey, floater, goes... 97.96.8 seconds on the clock. New Zealand inbound. Besson slips over. Illawarra hang on and remain undefeated at the Win Entertainment Centre. With a hand in the face from Travers, did enough. And look at Bryce Cotton run the floor unattended. Zunit kicks it out for Wagstaff. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> um. Yeah, time to talk a bit of basketball, a bit of basketball and a whole lot more as well. Uh, Matty Russell, he of Fox Sports, he of SEN too. Um, Matty Russell in the gong. Welcome to the show. Uh, there we heard uh, that was the other match Perth Wildcats 83 beating the Brisbane Bullets 70 and before that 97 Illawarra Hawks 97 New Zealand Breakers 96 in overtime one point win for Illawarra Hawks they are three from three so uh, their undefeated start to the NBL season continues and Matty Russell it was quite a game you were there G'day Chris compliments of the season to you and your listeners I was lucky enough to be there Last night, you're right, the Hawks needing double overtime to get past the Breakers, who were desperate. They were 0-3, so they were trying to mm. avoid four straight losses to start a season for the first time in 15 years. And 
Unfortunately, they couldn't get it done. Some would argue they were the better team last night. They lost Tom Abercrombie, first game back from injury, to another injury, this time an ankle injury, Mm. their seasoned veteran. And that was probably the final blow for them. The Hawks a long way from their best, but Tyler Harvey and Duop Reith helped the Hawks home in double overtime by a point. And they've got a quick turnaround tomorrow headed to the Brisbane Bullets. So the Breakers, I don't know how they regroup, really. 0-4, losing senior players. They play the champs tomorrow. Um, and, yeah, I can see it being 0-5 for the Breakers, unfortunately. How's things in the gong? Now, I haven't been across the schedules. Did you have your show this morning or am I... I did. Of... Yes. How'd it go? Our final one of the season. Finally, summer arrived after five weeks of overcast, cool, windy, rainy conditions. It was a pleasure to welcome summer. And let me tell you, the players enjoyed the summer surround as well because there were quite a few brown mineral waters consumed by the partying groups before and after they went out. And I worried about a few of the golf buggies being returned in the same shape they went out, given the condition of some of the drivers. But look, it was a festive spirit. Uh, this morning because of the season and, and great to see. And one of the topics this morning, we spoke to Ashton Sims mm. and, uh, you know, a man who played in the NRL, took his skill overseas. We asked him about the Dragons who've been in his neck of the woods, actually, down the south coast around the Jeringong Kiama yes. area this week, concentrating on their attack. And, you know, attack depends so heavily on the spine. I, I wanted to know what Ashton's preferred spine was. I can't remember off the top of my head exactly, but I'll give you mine. Mm. I've gone with Tyrell Sloan as fullback, not Cody Ramsey. I want Cody on a wing. Yes. I want the young gun Tyrell Sloan at fullback. He's exciting. Junior Ramon and Ben Hunt in the halves. That, that's pretty simple. I've, I've overlooked Jaden Sullivan at this point. Andrew McCulloch as the nine and Moses Embi as your 14. So I suppose the big question there is with Sloan, Amon, Hunt, McCulloch in his spine, what do I do with Jaden Sullivan, who, who's talented, who's re-signed? Mm. I've got to find a spot for him in the 17 or, or he misses out. So maybe Dragons fans might be able to ring you up after this chat and, and tell you what they think. But yeah. there's my Dragons fine for 2022. So fullback, fullback you've got who? Tyrell Sloan. Tyrell Sloan, yeah. Yeah, okay. He's wearing the number one. I just one. think he's, he's a young, a young of... talent. And I, I prefer Cody Ramsey as, as on a wing, not as a you know, as a fullback. Yes, 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 yes. All right, yeah, Dragons fans, if, you, if you're tuning in, we're only here until 2 o'clock, but if you'd like to send me a text, uh, what's your preferred spine? You're 167 and 9 for next year. So you've got quite a few signings down there, and I'm not saying you're a Dragons fan. Are you a Dragons fan? I guess you are, aren't you? No, mate, oh, I'm no. a West Magpies fan. So I was left without a team when the merger happened. People say, why didn't you get on board with the West Tigers? Well, mm. I just didn't feel like it was the West Magpies anymore. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still I'm still to adopt a club like I did passionately, the West Magpies. Oh, you Magpies. can still follow the Magpies. Really, to be honest, it probably probably serves me well. I, You know, any chance I get to get out and watch the Magpies in the second tier, I do, but... No, mate, I'm left without an NRL team, sadly. Well, I was too. I was left without. I formerly played, didn't I? I was reserve grade, 21. I was there for four years at the, at the Maggies and uh, yeah, I, all I went kaput. That. All went kaput. <laughs> I was at Arana Park. Remember Arana yes. Park watching you play, Chris? Oh, yeah. I'm, see, I, I dragged them through the turnstiles, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> but they, <laughs> they, were the, they were the good old days and... and, and Walk Ryan was was coaching and uh, in in the first grade team we had the likes of uh, Cement Gillespie, uh, we had we had who else do we have in there? Plenty, um, Joey Thomas, uh, Paul Langmack, 
Bobby Lidner. Yes, Langley. Uh, Jason Taylor with the halfback. Trevor Cogger, TC. But, remember Trevor? Uh, yeah, the Willis brothers, were they there? Chicka Willis, Andrew Willis. Yeah, he was sort of coming through more 21s at, at that time. Um, yeah. Oh, gee, we had uh, Graham Mackay was on one wing. Andrew Leeds would have yeah. been fullback. Yeah. Ivan Hedjack. Sean Devine, wasn't he? Sean Devine, yeah. He came over to yeah, Perth yeah. with us as well. Yeah. Um, we're just uh, talking to Graham Mackay. You know what else we talked about this mm. morning? Oh, I'm sorry, to, I just jumped in a little bit of a mm. delay, but... Um, I said this morning to my co-host, Matt Campbell and Ashton, and any guests who came on, I said, what's the one uh, essential for your Christmas Day lunch? What's one thing that unless it's on the table, You're you don't want to sit down and participate in Christmas mm-hmm. lunch? And, and I said, let's take beer off the table. Unless there's an icy cold beer there, you yeah. know, make it that I know wouldn't rock up. But apart from that, I, like I, I'm a pork man and, yeah. and a pork crackle man. Yeah. I, I want pork. Even if there's no pork, I want pork crackle. Mm. So what, what's your absolute essential on Christmas Day that unless it's on the table, you're not rocking up? Okay, so take beer off the table, right? And, yeah. And do you know what I probably only ever do on a Christmas Day that I, I don't ever drink any other time of the year? My, my old man what? will have um, a champagne and orange juice mixed up. <laughs> Is well, that a common well, thing, or is that just Matt our house? Huh? No. Well, Matt Campbell, the, the the Hawks 500 gamer, who still has their record three-point makes, mm. he said that, he said, I'm a bit sick, but I, I like a really bad, cheap, bubbly wine, like a spumante or something. Yeah. He said, I think it just comes from, you know, the auntie's bringing some well, $2.99 cheap bottle. Well, and, and, and also... He said, I'm hooked on it. I need to have a bit. <laughs> yeah, and also, so... Rabs will fill up the decanter with some cheap champagne. be cheap champagne for sure, I reckon. You don't mix good champagne with orange juice. But then when you've got guests coming around, and this is like early mid-morning, I guess you're disguising it with the orange juice so it's all right to have that before midday. Is that right? Before the yard's over, I the reckon. sun's yeah, over the yard. Absolutely. Yeah. What about this for a technique? You walk around with a bottle of the, you know, the, the real expensive stuff. Who'd like a you champagne? You don't open it. You don't open and it. And then you... You go into the, the bar room or out yep. of sight and you open up the cheap one and fill yep. that up. Anyone thinks they're drinking the good stuff. And you take the verb back home. Yeah, hey, you're, you're too clever. <laughs> <laughs> you're too clever. But all, no, that, 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 the champagne orange juice is not something that I, I wouldn't turn up for. I could give that a miss. Uh, I, do like, I do like the Christmas pudding, you know, with the custard, okay. the warm custard and a scoop of, um, of um, ice cream, the proper pudding. Oh, so I avoid that like the plague. I, I'm not a sweets man. Just uh, a know, little I'd bit. Do, do a nibble, cheese platter to start, main lunch, and then you, you know, know that that'll do me. You know the crackling's terrible for your arteries, don't you? And you're you're similar age to me. We probably should give that a yeah. wide berth. And, and I've got bad cholesterol so as well, I. but I, I just figure that I'll deal with that down the track. Eh? So have I. Have you have you started taking the pills for the cholesterol? No, I, no, I haven't. Me too. I haven't. I, I, I live with a. a, a a wife who is uh, fascinated with healthy eating, and she goes, "You're not. It's not necessarily the bad cholesterol. It's about lifting your good cholesterol to offset the mismatch in the, the mm. diagnosis you get." So, um, anyway, I'm, I'm eat, my breakfast is a breakfast that probably is a bit like bird seed to most people, but it's designed to purely lower cholesterol. Oh. And um, I've had some success with that, so uh, I'll continue really? that path until I because I've been continue. trying for a, de- I've been trying for a decade, so I've been having the oats and all that sort of stuff. Um, Mm-hmm. But it's not really coming. Go and down. see an expert. Go and see someone and say, "Look, give me a crack at six months, 
and I'll dedicate breakfast to only being for cholesterol lowering, not taste or satisfaction in any way, mm. and see if you can't get it down. And then if not, go and see your friendly physician. Okay, thanks, Matty Russell. There he is. That's the health report here on <laughs> SEN 1170. Now, I, incidentally, just on the pork, so I'm going out to my dad's place and I've been uh, charged one of the other uh, brother-in-laws or son-in-laws. He's taking the turkey. I've been uh, ordered to take the pork. And Rabs is really big okay. on his pork crackling as well. So I've, I've got to get it right. But then I've also got to – it's got to travel 40 minutes. Mm. Oh. Well, well I mate, to... I, I want to let you know what I'm doing this year. I've always wanted to do it. And vegetarians, please tune out now. Yeah. But from my good friend Frank at Toluca Park up in the Southern Highlands, wonderful farmer, he's going to give me a suckling pig. Oh. And I'm going to do it on the rotisserie. And I've been pig? Googling oh. – the whole pig. Is it going to be pig. dead or alive when you pick it up? But dead. Yes. Dead. And, okay. and I've got about 350,000 recipe suggestions. And after reading all of them, I think I'm just going to make up as I go. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's going to be on the rotisserie for oh. about four hours from, Gee, at your from, house. Um, from six o'clock. Yeah, yeah. So that's my challenge. I've always wanted to do it. Yeah. And this year I'm doing it, the suckling pig, the whole thing. Oh, this could sound like deliverance country. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, right, Matty, we better go, mate. Thanks for jumping on the line at short notice. Uh, if I don't talk to you, hey, no thanks problem, and thanks mate. again for joining us over the past month or more on Saturdays, and it's great that your show down there has been going well as well. Happy Christmas to you and yours. I hope you and Rabs and the broader family have a wonderful Christmas, Chris, and I'll talk to you next year, mate. Look forward to it, mate. Take care. There he is, uh, Matty Russell from Fox Sports, Matty Russell from SEN 1170, and you're probably, apart from me, you probably won't meet a better bloke. Won't meet a better bloke than Matty Russell, really good fella, and uh, we spent quite a few years there uh, before I was shown the door at Fox Sports. I still don't know why they showed me. Oh, I thought I went all right. Anyway, that's... That's then. This is now. Uh, we've got, uh, well, not long to go. We better take a break, eh? Better take a break. Coming up, though, at 2 o'clock, uh, we will join the crew. Jared Waitley will head them up, and uh, they will guide you through what should be a wonderful afternoon. Hopefully, the English can uh, can stick around. Joe Root and Darwood Milan, they are at the crease. Uh, they will resume at 2 for 17. This is Sports Central. You're listening to Sports Central on SEN. Anderson bowls, Lamashek inches through gully. It'll go all the way, I think. It touches the rope, and Lamashek has his first Ashes century. And again, Manus is in the pink. Bat raised, exuberant celebration. He has had to wear a lot. It's a brave century. He's needed the gods to smile on him to get there. But again, Manus Labashane in a day-night test is able to salute a ton. Yes, indeed. And the voice there of Jared Whateley, and he will head up the crew uh, from, uh, in about five minutes' time, we'll hand over the reins uh, to uh, the boys. Uh, Anthony Hudson will be there, Damien Fleming, Chris Rogers, Michael Atherton, the list goes on, Simon Kadich as well. So uh, there's plenty of hours to come of entertainment here on SEN uh, this afternoon. Uh, for those of you that have been listening this afternoon, thank you very much for tuning in. Um, your texts, I haven't been able to get through all of them. Where is Casper Ware? That's the judges asking that. He's in Russia somewhere playing, I think, Casper. Um, no 12-month guns for hire, says Jeff. I was talking about Brandon Smith. Um, if he was to go for uh, to a club for 12 months before he joins the Roosters, uh, Jeff says he wants blokes with their hearts in it. I agree with you. And Stephen, he says, please talk sport. 
Well, Stephen, sorry, mate, we do talk mostly sport, but we can talk a bit of entertainment as well, if you don't mind. With Christmas around the corner, I don't mind talking about what the plans for everyone are around Christmas. Cheer up, Steve. Cheer up, please. Uh, S-E-N stands for Sport and Entertainment Network. I'll join you again tomorrow. Um, Until then, keep smiling. Come on, Aussie, come on.